the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money invested in more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Hmm. This is kind of one of the headlines that just makes you cringe. It's been a rough, rough two to three months for, I'm not going to say the portrayal of women, but for the reality of how women are treated in society from Bill Cosby to the University of Virginia scandal and or not scandal. But listen to this. An Uber executive offered a woman basically a 20 pounds, $35 credit after sexual harassment allegation. The female passenger first notified the company of the driver's misconduct and the driver's very forward and quite creepy. Asked me if I wanted to go down uh, and do things sexually with him. Not cool. This is where Uber's, like, these young tech companies really start to show you that they're young and they're just pushing their way through new markets. And some cities don't like that, and some countries don't like that in any way, shape, or form. Um, so she got an email basically saying that, you know, thanks for bringing this up, and we'll credit your ride for you. <laughs> what? Um... That's the society we live in. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk a little real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. The first-time home buyer is an intimidating process. First and foremost, like you have to figure out how much can I afford and where should I buy and what's a good house, what's a bad house, because trust me, the lessons you learn in life are from experience. They're not from books that you read, in my opinion. Even if it's books by someone who's experienced it, I don't think you're getting what you need to know. What I'm looking for in the next home I buy is different than what I'm looking for in the last home that I bought, which is different than the first home I bought. Uh, let's talk about that first-time home buyer, the virgin. What do we need to know about the virgin home buyer? Well, it's intimidating. Okay. And it's the largest purchase you'll ever make for most people. Right. Um, you start early, get pre-approved. I think that's definitely the first thing you do. And part of that, you're going to look at your credit. You're going to see if there's anything wrong with it, if you need to make some improvements or pay off some debt. Um, and a lot of people sometimes, they, you know, I worked with some buyers that took six years before they bought. 
and we had a plan, you know, fixing their credit. We need a little bit more income. They were self-employed, so they were writing off too much on their Schedule C, and it wasn't really transposing over uh, better. Of course, self-employed, they used to have the stated income. So there's a lot of products that are gone that first-time homebuyers used to use to help qualify. Um, and there's some of those are coming back, just so you know. I'm going to give a, a little bit of um, light down the end of the tunnel. Uh, some portfolio lenders are offering what they call start, uh, te- not start rate uh, qualifiers is what they're called. Okay. Um, in the past, they used to add two percentage points to what they call the qualifying rate. So there's some new products coming out. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But definitely look at your credit. Be open-minded as well. And y- you may not be able to buy in the area you're looking at because it's too expensive. Uh, and there's a reason why it's too expensive because that's where people want to live. So... You know, you may have to have a starter home. You may have to buy a condo or a townhouse um, if you want to stay in that area or buy a single family somewhere farther out. And then you got to look at, am I near a, a mass transit? Can I really handle driving an hour to work uh, one way? Um, but start, starting early is probably the first thing that I would really uh, want to tell these people that are looking to buy a house. Um, and get in front of professionals and don't trust everybody that you run into. There's a lot of information on the Internet that's going to confuse you. Right. Um, that's well, a whole say, other topic in itself. Let's stick with the professionals one, that you can't always trust people. That's the frustrating one because, honestly, I can meet 10 realtors today. I don't like them all, personally. But professionally, I like two or three of them. And that's a problem with people because we tend to not fall in love, but we tend to go with our, and, our and it's, emotions. Yeah, and it's not just with the finding a realtor. It's finding the right um, uh, loan source. Uh, whether you're going to the internet, or you're going to go to your bank where you have your checking and savings, or you're going to go to a broker, or you're going to a banker, or you're going to a, a, you know, who are you going to? And the frustration there is that you don't know who to trust. Um, the internet's going to tell you who to trust, and you don't know if you can trust them. And there's so many websites out there that are going to confuse you. And that, I think that that's probably one of the things that we're, the industry has changed the most in is that just like it did in the car business. Um, that the industry is not keeping up as fast as the internet is. Um, there's uh, the the best way to do it is, to, in my opinion, is go to a broker that has multiple sources, so they run your credit once and they can fit your product into one of the lenders that they work with, as opposed to going to a bank um, where you might have to shop several different banks just to find the bank that fits your scenario. So that's what I would do. I see a lot of people making the mistake of shopping loans where they think if I contact another lender, he's going to give me another rate or a different rate. And they might, but they may be just teasing you just to get you in the door. You want to shop, You want to really shop a lender first of someone you can trust and someone who's got good referrals and someone who has right. the ability to go out and shop other loans for you and not just offer a prepackage instead of trying to you know randomly get lucky. Because when you try to randomly get lucky, they see that you've had a credit report pulled by another lender, and they say... Yes, Mr. Black, whatever you say, Mr. Black, I have this great loan for you, Mr. Black. Comes time to sign, you're like, what are these fees? We didn't talk about these. Or, you know, you get higher fees but lower rates, or you get higher rates. Yeah, and granted, lower there fees. are some many, many, many new rules that are protect, that are set up to protect the buyer. Yeah. Um, they're not always executed the way they're supposed to and used to, to help the borrower. As a matter of fact, there are, there are uh, <laughs> some lenders actually came to us and told us how we can use the new rules to confuse the borrower and, and use it in our advantage. We're like, what are you talking about? Um, it, it's crazy how the industry is really trying to adapt to what the Fed is trying to mandate here. Um, and it, it makes it even more confusing in what the, the, the buyer, especially the first-time home buyer, is supposed to expect out of the transaction. 
Sounds good. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You'll list Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. 800-516-1220. Costco. Their profit rose. Fueled by low gas prices. I like Costco as a publicly traded company for the long-term patient investor. Uh, they reported its profit rose 17% in November, uh, driven by lower gas prices as well as strong growth in store sales and membership fees. They sell groceries and things in bulk. They've been a standout of late amongst retailers. It's one of the largest retailers in the United States. Lower gas prices are thought to help the company's results because its <clears throat> throughput is so high it can usually quickly capture the benefit of falling prices on gasoline and buys. Meanwhile, cheaper fuel prices also leave consumers with more disposable income to buy goods at its warehouses. Works both ways. It's kind of pretty for them, huh? Not for everyone, but for Costco, they're standing out and they're doing a great job. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Seems to be some price wars going on in the wireless customer area. Uh, Verizon Wireless you know, once promised customers an unrivaled network with clear calls and fast downloads in exchange for expensive cell phone service. But no longer. Price war is breaking out. Verizon Wireless, AT&T, they both warned this week that their fourth quarter of profits probably will take a hit because they had to keep up with the discount in pricing. Increasingly competitive market um, with T-Mobile and with Sprint. Um, with that said, I still feel like my phone bill is really expensive, but at least it's taken a, a toll on the companies trying to uh, match the competitors on some level. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Don't be shy. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers today. Again, end of the year. I would not put a lot of weight on what's happening in the market. Um, Other than to say, you know, we've had a good end of the year. And at this point in time, we seem to be focusing on OPEC and oil and weakness geopolitical issues. A couple weeks from now, we'll be back to focusing on earnings from U.S. domestic companies. S&P 500 down 16, the Dow's down 150, and the Nasdaq's down 31. Welcome in CFP Chad Burton. 
He's with NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. I want to do a topic today with you, Chad, if you don't mind, on bonds. Stocks means you own a little piece of that corporation. Bonds means it's an IOU. Mm -hmm. There's different types of bonds. There's government bonds. There's corporate bonds. There's municipal bonds. Um, there's foreign market bonds. There's berry bonds. There's floating rate bonds. There's a lot of bonds. Yeah. I bonds, zero coupon bonds. What do we need to know about bonds, in your opinion? Wow, and that's, that's a tough one because this is really the hardest area to manage right now, Rob. I mean, we're looking at historical low interest rates on bonds. We're looking at the Federal Reserve buying, you know, billions and trillions of dollars worth of bonds over the last couple of years. They were buying at the short end of the curve. Now they're going to be buying at the long end of the curve. So. What you need to know about bonds, I think, first and foremost, is is look at the holdings in your bond fund that you've been owning inside your 401ks, because a lot of people own bond stock market drops. So the idea of having a balanced portfolio or bonds in it means that because bonds aren't doing as well as stocks when the stocks are rallying, they'll they'll have a cushion for the downside, and in the long run, they win. But a lot of bond, bonds, because the yields are so low, they've been having to buy preferred stocks and, and stocks yielding up in the 3 and 4% range to keep their income high. So a lot of people are, are in bonds right now, bond funds that are becoming closet stock funds, and I don't think they might realize the overall risk that's there. So you know, it's something that you, you do have to peel gains from. So let's, let's look at the different types, right? right? You've got government. On the corporate side, you've got high-quality bonds, which are typically AAA or, well, let's see, AA rated and above, right? Right. Then you've got junk bonds and then convertible bonds. We bought a lot of convertible bonds and high-yield or junk bonds in 2009 in about May when right. they had dropped drastically, they were baby out with the bathwater. Then we had 20 or 30% returns on those funds. That's not normal. So when you get high returns on a certain area of bond funds, you really have to be careful about peeling off the growth. Um, also, you got to look at big price jumps like tips, for example, have jumped drastically when we really don't have a lot of inflation yet. Um, so look for opportunities when, when things like TIPS or Treasury Inflation Protected Bonds, when they pull back 5 or 6%, that's when your buying opportunities typically are. Which, again, we grew up, Chad, you and I both grew up at the same era, and we thought bonds were for old people. I feel bad for old people right now because interest rates are so low that bonds really aren't necessarily for them mm -hmm. because the bonds don't have the yield that it used to. So seniors can't put their money in the bank. They can't get money on CDs. Too, too low of rates. They, mm -hmm. The bonds, they have to increase their risk profile. And you don't really want to necessarily increase your risk profile with bonds because bonds are considered a little bit you know, more consistent than stocks. Yeah, I mean, for the next couple of years, I can see why a 20 or 30-year-old would just simply dividend-paying stocks instead of bonds because um, they can deal with the volatility. If the market has a big correction, they have time to either add more in after the correction or, or save more in the long run. But older people, they can't really steer... You know, they have to stay the course. And, and when you're older and you're close to retirement, you need three years' worth of expenses in cash. I know your cash isn't earning anything, but don't put that cash to work in high-risk bond funds. You've got to have three years' worth of your portfolio drawn cash and then a balanced portfolio. And make sure that the bond side of your balanced portfolio is diversified, uh, meaning you've got some governments, you've got some Ginnie Mays, a little bit of convertibles and corporates. But your duration, that's what you've got to pay attention to. You don't want bonds that are, that are really outside of the five- to seven-year range right now, in my opinion, because um, you know, two years just aren't attractive. They don't give you much income. And going out longer than five to seven years in duration on bonds, the length of maturity, you're taking on too much long-term interest rate risk. I remember when I first got into the business, I, I, I was trying to study bonds and analyze bonds, and it's difficult. That's a totally different skill set than analyzing stocks. 
So I think it's it's key, important that seniors or wealthy people don't do their own bond work because it's not the same as stock work. It's it's a different art. Yeah, you know, when interest rates are really high and heading down, that's the time where you can just kind of no-brainer buy bonds directly and hold them till maturity. When we're in situations like this where it's unclear in the next two years where rates will kind of head, yeah. um, it's really helpful to get a good no-load bond fund manager. I like how you keep trying to say bonds, buns. Buns, German buns. I think we're just hearing way too much about that yeah, in, in the, the news but I think in times like this where the, the clarity on where interest rates are moving, that's where having a bond manager is, is attractive. But I, I can tell you that if we go through a period where, let's say, by 2015 rates are high, right. and it looks like they're leveling out or coming down, I'm going to sell all my bond funds and buy individual bonds and hold them to maturity. I'm an individual bond kind of guy. Now, let's do one last topic on bonds. When we were growing up, there was a theory that you should take your age, 100 minus your age, and that's how much you should have in bonds. Or in stocks versus bonds. Do you remember that one? Yeah. And then and they again, changed it to like 120 minus your age. I think it's it's garbage either way. Because it's garbage. What, what you're doing is when you're dollar cost averaging, what it makes sense is when you're adding to your portfolio every month because of your paycheck, right? Right. But in retirement, to reverse dollar cost average does not work. The reason why is because that means every month you're selling something when you withdraw your, your paycheck to live, you're selling something at a loss. Because if stocks are going up seven out of 10 years, usually bonds can be could be falling during that period of time, for example. So you're always selling something at a loss. So that's why you have to have safe money, a bond portfolio, a dividend-paying stock portfolio, and then your dividends and your bonds pay your safe money. Right. And then you rebalance and pull the gains off the table to uh, continue to keep your safe money at that three-year level. So, you know, timing the market doesn't make a difference when you're younger. It does when you're older. CFP Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a certified financial planner, and he's at newfocusfinancial.com. San Francisco and Los Angeles are suing Uber. They say the company's not doing enough to protect passengers. Lyft tends to go the way of settling these lawsuits. Uber tends to go the way of fighting them. The Pirate Bay is down after police raided its servers in Sweden. Police took servers and computers from a server room in Stockholm. Pirate Bay is one of those uh, websites where you can get torrents. Torrents being typically illegal files tied toward legal in the sense that they're television files, movie files, music files, um, other file sharing sites such as EZTV, Zoink, and Torridge were also offline, as was Pirate Bay's form, superbay.org. Um, we'll see if that pops up somewhere else, because it seems to get shut down and pop up and shut down and pop right back up. Apple is building a huge research and development center in Japan. You'll hear a formal announcement of that soon. The boss of Amazon's publishing division is leaving after a year in the job. Daphne Durham was at the company for 15 years. SoundCloud is raising money at a $1.2 billion valuation. The company is reportedly looking to raise about $150 million. Uh, SoundCloud's cute, popular music and audio sharing service. Um, raising a significant amount of capital as it moves to ink licensing agreements with major record labels and compete with deep-pocketed rivals such as Spotify and Beats Music, which is now owned by Apple. The service tracks more than 175 million unique listeners each month. Content creators are uploading about 12 hours worth of audio every minute. In contrast, Spotify has 50 million users, with about 12.5 million of them who pay uh, them. So about $120 a year for unlimited access to music. The unlimited asset, 
uh, access to music seems to be a problem. Uh, and I think you're going to see the music labels start addressing that soon. They want more money, especially for their newer material. So maybe the online music world will go the direction of uh, you can license our catalog of music that's two or three years old or two years and older. But they want to try to get the people who buy current music. We'll see how the year shakes out. Uh, it is interesting to note, though. Microsoft billionaire Paul Allen. He is throwing down some money. Donated $100 million to help investigate human cells and how diseases emerge. HTC is releasing a new wearable device. It's not a watch. And it's going to be revealed early in 2015. Apple is starting to recruit employees with the knowledge of fashion to help it sell the Apple Watch. It wants people with a background in fashion to come and work at their Apple stores. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Having some spirited conversation with my millennial producer during the commercial breaks. And again, millennials are more important than one would imagine. They may not be the ideal at this point in time, but there's such a growing number of them that they're going to outnumber Generation X workers soon. And... Workers pay salaries. Workers are earn money. Workers spend econo- on the economy. So I see a story out there today like this one. Carl's Jr. Fast food has finally come to this. A clean burger. Carl's Jr. is rolling out a natural burger. Now keep in mind, I think it was Carl's Jr. who paid Paris Hilton a couple years ago to basically almost wear no clothes and eat a monsterly oversized burger. And just crazy sexualized commercialism. Carl's Jr. known for indulgent offerings target young guys. They target young guys with, you know, racy gals. And they're going to be the first fast food chain to sell a natural burger when it rolls out the all-natural burger December 17th. The burger has no antibiotics, no steroids, no added hormones, which I, for the record, like added hormones. I think if you had a child today, you would want to give them, you know, milk with extra growth hormone and meat with extra growth hormones so they can turn into biological freaks of nature and become super athletes. It's 130% true. The strategic move by the regional chain, with mostly West Coast locations, 
comes at a time when everyone seems to be almost reacting to either the quality of food that has, is Chipotle, which, again, it's good. It's not great. Uh, Panera Bread, uh, offering consumers better-for-you menus than, say, McDonald's and Burger King. The term natural is a hot button, as you can imagine, with 72% of consumers equating natural with healthy. The objective has never been to tell people what to eat, but to serve them what they want to eat. Um, the all-natural burger will sell for $4.69 for a single and $6.99 for a double. It'll be the chain's most expensive quarter pounder, nearly 60% higher than Carl's Jr.'s famous star with cheese, $2.99. <laughs> and a twist on the story, and again, I always find these sto- <clears throat> the details on these kind of humorous. The meat's going to be imported from Australia. Australia. Uh, because there isn't enough domestic supply of natural beef in the United States. Doesn't that tell you something horrible about America? Some much smaller regional burger chains have sold natural burgers for years, like Shake Shack, Elevation Burger, Farmer Boys, BRG. Now, the, the term natural, and again, organic is a funny term, too. But consumers will say that they're eating natural foods more often. Natural burgers tend to have more texture and less fat than conventional burgers. Uh, Carl says the all-natural has 760 calories and 44 grams of fat. The famous star with cheese, which is smaller, has 670 calories and 37 grams of fat. The idea, you know, clearly this isn't going to go away. And we're always going to be marketed to on quote-unquote hot buttons, even if we don't know we're being marketed to on said hot buttons. And marketing does work, so they're not being stupid by doing this. But there's an article today in the L.A. Times about organic foods. What is organic and what is not organic? The United States now has 25,000 farms and other organizations that sell organic crops and livestock, but the USDA's organic certification program has been overtaxed by rapid growth. The organic food industry is a $35 billion industry, so you have to invest in things like whole foods or consider it. Keep in mind, tough economy, people are going to say, you know what, I want store brands, or I want you know, cheaper options. Um, I'm a consumer who probably shops at three or four different grocery stores. I don't know if that's going to be common going forward, but for me it seems to work on some levels. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investment, and more. Um, let's pull up some quick numbers real quick. See how we're doing on the market. It's Donkey Radio. I'm your donkey. It's an untapped part of the market that I'm serving. The donkeys. The SP 500 is down 13, sitting at 2046. The Dow is down 133, sitting at 17,667. 666, sign of the devil. Um, NASDAQ down 19, sitting at 4746. Oil is lower again. Uh, it's the same old, same old story. Where OPEC is seeing the weakest demand for its crude in 12 years. Pretty fascinating, right? So OPEC cut the forecast for how much crude oil it will need to provide in 2015 to the lowest level in 12 years. 
So the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries lowered its projection for 2015 by about 300,000 barrels a day to 28.9 million. That's about 1.1 million a day less than the group's 12 members pumped last month. Reaffirming the impact of this year's 40% price collapse on supply and demand remains very unclear. And some of the members are just downright panicking. Some of the 12 members of OPEC. BP is going to spend $1 billion to cut thousands of jobs. Yay, happy news, right? Uh, One-fifth of Americans don't plan to pay off their debt. Uh, I can't not. Having debt drives me crazy. Mortgage delinquencies dropped to their 11th consecutive quarter to 3.3%. Student loan debt rose from an aggregate of $390 billion at the end of 2005 to $966 billion at the end of 2012. Boy, there's some problems in society, huh? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So you meet me there behind those castle walls. Just like before we walk right through those empty halls. It may. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black. Talking money, investing, savings, and much, much more. We can talk Apple. Apple and IBM partnership has released their first apps for the enterprise. We remember a couple months ago, there was this big, we're going to work together, and eh, that Apple could probably sell some more tablets because IBM's pretty big in the enterprise world. We'll see. Um, the apps can let users pilot, you know, better utilize fuel, give cable repairmen more useful analytical data in the field. So they're trying to marry IBM's analytical data and the back office abilities with Apple's experience designing user interfaces and the mobility that Apple has with iPads and iPhones. Other stories of note today, OPEC sees the weakest demand for its crude in 12 years. This is getting pretty tough for the 12 nations that make up OPEC. The world is getting oil and energy from other sources. And their cartel is looking a little bit weaker. Love this angle. How am I going to make this into a business story? And it's pretty easy. 
Half of Americans don't want their sons playing football. What? How is that a story you say, right? Well, it's pretty obvious. Um, There's talent, right? And you have to have young children get stronger, faster, um, more skilled. So the sport, the NFL in particular, is seeing an onslaught of negative attention with players accused of abusing their wives or their children. A team name so offensive that some of these organizations refuse to print it, i.e. the Washington Redskins. Perhaps most troubling to parents, the growing body of evidence that repeated blows to the head can cause long-lasting brain damage. What mom doesn't want her kid playing football, right? The sports troubles have caught the attention of Congress, who's basically Congress has given, you know, this business a tax-exempt status and putting its coveted antitrust exception up for a five-year review. Letting boys be boys. 3% of moms say, I want my kid to play ball. 50% say they do not. 7% not sure. But this is a big billion-dollar business, and that's all about future talent. I, myself, if I were to chime in, yeah, I wouldn't want children playing football. Uh... The amount of people who can make money off that sport, <laughs> playing it, very few and very far between. A, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So, what's that old adage? That old adage. It's not how you start, but how you finish. So, yesterday, market was down big at the start of the trading. And then people started buying the stocks. Basically, you know, uh, it wasn't that bad of a day. So, there's some difficulties being reported coming out of China, for sure. Are they slowing down more than they're telling us? Lots of problems in Greece. In Europe in general. Ukraine, for sure. And it does make me say, you know what? If I was... 30 and my 401k has grown from like 90,000 to 180,000 in the last two or three years. Maybe I'm saying let's take some off the table. Or let's you know rebalance some risks into bonds or something and cut down on exposure to volatile stocks. I get why people are thinking that. Of course, bad economics news is just about the best news you can get. Ultimately, as you get stimulus from central banks, it doesn't make any sense that... Bad economic news equals easier lending. Easier lending equals easier profits. But good economic news equals tougher lending. Equals tougher way to play the game. You go try and figure this out. I'm giving up. So yesterday, it was all red across the board. Today, not so much. Oil price action remains a focal point for analysis. Um, OPEC lowered its forecast for OPEC supply oil demand in 2015. So it's the lowest level of demand in 12 years. And it's pinned on increased supply from non-OPEC producers and a downward revision to global demand. Airlines could potentially provide some offset for the weakness that you see in the energy sector. Airlines lower fuel costs, 
amongst the main drivers behind the IATA, the International Air Transport Association's projection that the industry global collective net profit after tax will increase to $25 billion in 2015, up from $19 billion in 2014. Not too bad. Not too shabby, right? Other stories of note today. Google's telling developers, design apps for our billion-plus users. It's asking developers to forego complicated enterprise management tools and focus on applications that would be useful to at least a billion people. And (laughs) it's kind of cute, right? Don't do anything unless it can be used by a billion. Do something that is good for other people other than enterprises. Move is part of a trend towards making software for businesses work more like the apps customers use on their personal devices. Um, There's a little bit of a wireless price war going on. For the first time in recent years, many wireless customers have strong pricing options. Verizon and AT&T have both come out and said uh, earnings aren't going to be what we expect them to because it's very competitive out there. Costco profit rose. Um, I like Costco business model compared to Target and Walmart. Not that Target and Walmart are bad, but Costco keeps it pretty simple. And you, know, you get a membership and you get cheaper gas and right there, it's worth it. Lower gas prices uh, because Costco burns through or uses, sells a lot of gasoline. When there's a fall in gas prices, they don't get caught holding the bag, per se. Um, profits rose to $496 million. It's a company that leaves a lot of money on the table. Um, If you ever go into a Costco, it's pretty utilitarian. It's not a lot of options, so you're not going to go buy the kicking shoes that you want for your high school reunion or whatever. But they've got like some pretty good deals on on vacations. And again, the thing that I like about Costco is that they keep things pretty simple. Instead of supplying 45 toothbrushes, like you can see in Target. You know, the Princess Elsa, the Harry Potter, the, you know, the the dental fighter, cavity buster, the, like, ah, too many choices. And you just want a toothbrush. They keep it simple, and that keeps their inventory lean. Mortgage applications jumped last week. Mortgage rates are amazing right now. Uh, Historically amazing. Applications for U.S. home mortgages rose last week as both purchase and refinancing applications increased. The Mortgage Bankers Association said its seasonally adjusted index of mortgage application activity, which includes both refinance and home purchase demand, rose 7.3%. Um, bad flu season equals growth for the economy. As you get sick, you tend to go into the drugstore and buy a lot of products. And then you buy things that you don't even know that you need. So, tough flu season they're expecting this year. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com.
Thanks for listening. Anything that you want me to try to do differently on the show, drop me an email. Rob at robblackshow.com. Do you want more tips for millennials? Do you want more tips for retirees? I am doing a webinar coming up in about nine days. Webinar is free. It's online. You can sit in your home, comfort of your own underwear, listening to and watching a financial presentation. You can sign up for that at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. Part of creating wealth is ensuring what you can't afford to lose. Disability insurance ensures your ability to earn income. Homeowner's insurance ensures your home in case a tree falls on it. Life insurance, it ensures your income that you would lose if you died early, prematurely. Most of us don't. Most of us don't like talking about life insurance, Chad, because it's all about death, my death. Yeah, I mean, you should really focus on disability insurance if you can't afford it because it does get expensive. Um, at least something like an AFLAC, which gives you some short-term disability coverage if you know you break something and you can't work. Um, but life insurance is something that's very necessary if you have kids. And unfortunately, it's one of those areas where you start thinking about you have children, you think about what happens if I pass away, and how do I save for my family, how do I send my kids for college, and that creates kind of a... Uh, a golden situation for a life insurance agent to come in and sell somebody saying life insurance is the key to everything. It's the key to protect your income. It's a key to send your kids to college. It's a great investment tool. You can pull money out of it tax-free, and it's a great sales pitch, and a lot of people fall into that trap. I know a guy who used to sell insurance just like that, and now he's driving a truck. Yeah, that's typically what happens. People are starting to learn that term life is the best way to get life insurance. Buy term and invest the rest. It's a phrase that pays for you, for me, for most of the people out there. Um, because you don't really need term life insurance. You don't really need life insurance on your children when they're 25, 30, 40, 45 years old. They don't need that big paycheck when dad dies. Well, no, and you know, I mean, there's so many options in terms of maxing out your 401k, how much you can put into that, Roth IRAs, spousal IRAs, 529 plans, tax-efficient index funds. Life insurance um, it has been very disappointing. So people get sold cash value life insurance saying, here's the great rates, the investments, and then you can take money out of it tax-free in the form of loans. But a lot of those policies are blowing up on people because the investments in the variable life insurance policies have done horribly. And the interest rates on the, the kind of the whole life or universal life have dropped in half. And so a lot of these people that were going to put a whole bunch of money in and then take money out of it at retirement are now finding that they're getting these bills saying your policy is going to lapse at age 60 unless you put more money in it. And you thought you bought a savings vehicle. So now people are wondering, what do they do? What do they do with these policies that they dump too much money in? And you don't need whole life insurance. You know, I had a grandmother pass away a couple years ago, 95 years old. Um, I'm glad she didn't have a million dollar policy that she paid for her whole life up to 95 because she probably would have paid five to ten million dollars into it to get a million back. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did get an oil well. I did get a farm. So instead of buying expensive insurance, she was buying assets that appreciate over time. And that's part of the inheritance per se. Yeah. So here as a, you know, my experience in the business, I got into the business on the sales side. Everybody back, you know, almost 20 years ago when I got into it, it was commission based world. And so um, I'm still licensed in insurance, but we do fee based planning. Here's the instances where permanent life insurance comes into play. Okay. Everybody else should buy term and invest the difference. The 1% of the population that needs permanent insurance, number one is if you have a large pension from somewhere, 
that is going to go away if you pass away. Right. So you can look at saying, here's my lifetime if I don't take a spousal benefit, uh, and here is the option if I have a spousal benefit. But the problem is when you take a pension and you have a spousal benefit, a lot. what if you both pass away early? Then the company wins and your kids get nothing. So there's certain circumstances, about probably about 30% of the pension planning I do, life insurance, taking the higher benefit where there's no spousal benefit and using some of the extra income to buy permanent life insurance for the spouse can make sense. Number two, estate planning issues. If you're doing a charitable remainder trust, you have a large estate that's over $5 million if you're single, $10 million if you're married. Permanent insurance and an irrevocable life insurance trust is good estate planning tools. It, it creates liquidity um, at your death to pay the taxes and allows you to get some, some income with a charitable trust. And finally, if you're a real high-income earner um, and you've maxed out all your options, you have a lot of money saved up, and you're looking for alternative savings vehicles, there's no-load or low-load life insurance that if you're that type of earner that's paying 39.6% federal, uh, you know, 12% state with the Prop 30, and I mean, you're talking about 1% of the population, then, and you've done a whole bunch of planning and you're still younger and healthy, there's certain no-load or low-load life insurance policies that can make investment sense. The average person, buy term and invest the difference. But, and we're running out of time, what if you bought the wrong insurance? Then when, need, how do you get out? When do you get out? Well, what and you need to do... You leave money on the table. You, you could potentially leave money on the table. What you need to do is say, okay, if you've had it for five, ten years, is it worth keeping? You call and say, I want an in-force illustration on my policy. How is it going to perform over the next 20 years? And um, if you have a taxable gain, you can roll it over somewhere else. Um, if you don't, you can just cash it in. But before you do that, before you roll it over or cash it in, make sure you apply and get the term insurance and put it in place before you make the changes on the other policy. Sounds good. You can find Chad Burton at newfocusfinancial.com. It's newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. The FAA has approved four companies to use drones. Right now, it's still illegal for most of the companies. Hundreds of companies are using drones. And, you know, drones are going to be incredibly valuable in various activities, including, but not limited to, you know, aerial surveying, um, delivery of product. I don't know if we're ready for that, but it's coming, right? So Trimble Navigation, uh, publicly traded, TRMB, um, is probably the biggest name on the list that has been approved. That I, the biggest name that stands out to me. Hundreds of companies and entrepreneurs use drones commercially in the U.S., uh, but they're struggling to get financing and insurance and big contracts because it violates the FAA policy on commercial drones. The organic farming boom is $25,000. It's a $35 billion organic food industry. It's nearly tripled in size in the past decade. It's being kind of a headache, I think is the right way of saying it. It's becoming a headache for the agricultural department's ability to say, hey, that is accredited uh, organic. There's currently 81 accredited certifying agents that stamp foods as organic in the United States. Of the 37 that had a complete review this year, 23 were cited for failing to correctly enforce certification requirements. Um, so we don't even know what's organic. I think that's fair to say. Um, but the organic acreage has just been going absolutely bonkers. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
Thanks for listening to the show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Joining me now, Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Market Economist with Briefing.com. How are you, Dr. Rosen? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? I'm okay. Nothing really going on. In the business stories are kind of on the weak side right now. For me, how about for you? Well, we had the jobs report that came out last week. Uh, it seemed to catch some people by surprise. I was actually quite shocked at the amount of surprise that was built into that report. Uh, we had numbers that you know, showed strong job growth. We had a, a real nice gain in wages as well. So the overall aggregate income you know, moved up almost a full percentage point, which is very, very nice. Uh, assuming that most of that doesn't go into savings, we should have you know, a very good retail sales report that comes out tomorrow for November. Uh, and the overall outlook looks uh, looks pretty good. Okay, good good to hear. The jobs report was better than expected. Um, does that trend continue in 2015? You would hope so. I mean, the last few months we've had initial claims levels below 300,000, and if you look at the history of those those numbers, when you get to about 300,000, you're typically at a um, you know, employment sectors at or near full employment, and the fact that we've been holding there for the last few months tells me that this isn't some uh, unexpected volatility, that it's here, which suggests that we should have, you know, pretty good um, payroll gains and, and, you know, moving ahead. Good, good to hear. Now, the retail sales report tomorrow, you expecting positives on that because of the job creation numbers kind of go hand in hand? I am. I mean, the consensus right now is you know, about, I think, 0.4% uh, up, and I think without autos, it's 02 I'm significantly higher than that. I mean, if you look at the fact that we have a savings rate that's elevated for what our current um, debt ratios are, you know, meaning that we don't need to have the savings at 5%. We could you know, work well with a savings rate closer to 3 or 4 So. There's really no need to save that extra income that we, you know, the consumers have received, according to this jobs report. If that's the case, you know, we could see, you know, retail sales growth at close to the entire gain in income, which is closer to one percent than zero point four percent. So that tells me that uh, we're going to get a, a pretty nice bump in uh, in sales demand this month. That's positive. I'm trying to find some negatives out there with you at this point in time. The lower oil, um, are you, what sort of ramifications are you seeing from lower oil on the negative side? 
Well, I'm actually, that's what I've been spending a little bit of my uh, time today, and I'll probably work more on it tomorrow and through the rest of the week. I mean, my guess is that it's going to have uh, a pretty good hit towards investments, especially in the, um, you know, because the low oil prices make it less conducive or less profitable, if profitable at all, for the fracking industry. So mines that are, have already been tapped or fracking uh, drills that have already been, been started, th those will continue. But new production may be curtailed because you, know, you need to have a high, higher oil price to justify the large sunk costs in production. So I'm trying to figure out you know what's going to happen in that industry, and you know the best gauge that we could have is just look at 2009, when uh, oil prices fell. You know, I think it was like 40% uh, from around you know $99 in 2008 to I believe it was like $62 in um, 2009, and you had a 30% drop off in uh, the production of investment in structures in mining which a lot of it is temporary structures that they build to, you know, start the production of uh, exploration on oil and gas. And the equipment investment fell by 40%. So, you know, these are year-over-year -year numbers. And that's a pretty large drop. Now, again, the total industry in itself isn't that large for in the U.S., so the effect on overall GDP isn't going to be, you know, nearly that large. But it is going to be a drag. And the question is, if we see these... Uh, you know, values staying for an extended period of time, it's just going to continue dragging on the economy of, you know, 2015, 2016. So the question is, you know, how are the mining companies going to, um, you know, handle this? And you also have to remember a lot of these mining companies are highly leveraged. So if they start defaulting on bonds, it's not a matter of fact of investing. You're going to put out a lot of people that are, you know, going to be unemployed. And the problem right now is a lot of the job creation from the recession has been in this mining industry. So a lot of those jobs that we thought were full-time stable uh, jobs, especially the people that move up to North Dakota from all other places in the country, you know, they're going to find that their income levels are, are, are not stable. They're, they're going to increase their savings in the nearer term because they're going to be worried about their jobs, and you're going to have a lower consumption you know, growth from those people. Okay. Any positives from the oil that we're not seeing? We know airlines, we know you and I will have a little extra cash in our pockets from filling up. Um, I've heard maybe a negative on the little extra cash in our pockets story is that people who are lower income really don't drive that much, therefore it's not going to trickle down to them saving money. Yeah, I mean, it's going to trickle down because the shipping costs of goods by themselves are going to go down. Gotcha. So it puts less cost-push inflation pressures. So it's going to keep inflation uh, overall more tame. But, you know, it may not affect the most dire of the income class, but it definitely helps on the lower side because on the, on the lower income levels it is – a larger percentage of your income, you know, goes to transportation to your jobs. So, you know, other than in the inner city, you know, people still need cars. So uh, you're going to see some of that. I mean, negative, positive, I, it could be a positive in the auto industry because it makes vehicles cheaper. Uh, buying a truck doesn't cost as much over the lifetime of the truck, uh, you know, U.S. domestic production of non-electric vehicles 
you know, should do well. And there was an article in Bloomberg today that talked about the comparison of the uh, Toyota Prius and the uh, Chevy Cruze. And based on uh, current gasoline prices, you know, the, 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 the expense of buying the Prius over the uh, Cruze, you won't make it up for uh, 28 years. So it's going to put a dent in those type of vehicles, these hybrid cars. But, you know, you generally when you think of hybrid, you think of Toyota. You don't think of Chevy. So, you know, maybe it will boost up uh, domestic production in GM and domestic demand in Ford and the like. It's also bad news, I guess, for Tesla. Uh, yeah, your car the, the premium. problem with Tesla is that, yeah, and well, you're never going to get that back. I mean, in Tesla, you're buying a $90,000 car. You're buying it more as the, you know, the same reason why you buy a Porsche. You're not, you know, the, the people that afford those cars could afford higher gasoline prices. They're choosing to buy that car as, as more of a status symbol as well. So I, I don't know how much Tesla is going to be hurt based on, uh, you know, lower oil prices. Okay, how about Janet Yellen and the Fed? There seems to be some communication recently. The Federal Reserve officials at their next meeting are going to affirm the plan to start raising short-term interest rates in 2015 and could begin by dropping language. Any thoughts on the Federal Reserve in 2015? You know, I, I think the Fed is going to be more conservative on rate hikes than uh, okay. you know what maybe the market expects. Right now the market expects the first rate hike in June. I think that the fact is, uh, you know, According to the Taylor rules, we could be raising rates right now. But I think the negative effects of a rate hike and what could happen with the global economic situation, you know, I think the Fed is going to be more lenient on inflation pressures, and I think they're going to tolerate higher inflation if we start seeing inflation before they raise rates. I think that they're still going to worry about the slack in the market, and I think they're going to put things off. Now, you know, the considerable time period may go away, but I still think they're going to continue to harp on that the data dependent and that inflation is training, you know, trending well below uh, target levels. And we're not seeing any movement towards a conversion to target. So even if you remove the language of an extended period, you know, by, by, contain, by continuing stating that it's data dependent, it's going to tell you the same thing, that rates are going to stay low for a while. Uh, and, and I have a feeling that they're just going to hold off on, uh, you know, and wait till inflation gets, you know, significantly above target before we start seeing things. Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Market Economist with Briefing.com. Anything that you're working on that you want to bring us up to speed on? Uh, that's it. I think tomorrow, you know, look for the retail sales report. You know, we've been telling our clients that uh, you know, I think this retail sales report is going to be uh, pretty strong. Uh, especially considering the consensus. I, you know, I don't think that should be too much of a surprise given the elevated uh, savings rates and the fact that we had a good income growth number from the November employment report. So, you know, just look at that number. I, th I think we're going to get something good tomorrow. Thanks very much. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen with briefing.com. Great website where I start each and every day reading their page one report. Um, and I go from there. Uh, they come out with special reports on a daily basis, technicals, story stocks, and, you know, like Dr. Jeff Rosen and his insights into the economy. If we continue, and I think the most important question I asked there was, if we continue to add jobs, and is that going to happen in 2015? And he didn't say that it was going to fall apart. So that ultimately is going to be a positive. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. It's 
Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. It's Rob Black. Will carry on by the safe shore. Though the truth may I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Never be shy about reaching out and talking to the show. You can find me at Rob at RobBlackShow.com, Rob at RobBlackShow.com. Um, start taking your finances seriously. I was speaking with a friend this week who is kind of piecing together his late 20s and uh, hasn't saved a thing, lives at home, and, you know, where's he going to, where's his career going to go, and does he have a career, and, you know, he's... an hour, $15 an hour, $30. What's the goal? Can't really get a good answer other than I want things to improve. So some goals that you should have is saving 15% of your salary, period. If you're not going to do that, you're probably not going to have any sort of retirement. You're probably going to work till the day you die, which is okay. uh, If that's what you envisioned. You want to max out your 401k? If you can, um, you want to be charitable if you can afford to. I think sometimes people are a little bit too charitable, and that's kind of a crazy thing to say out loud. But it's kind of true. I'll show you how cheap I am, and this is—I I don't know if it's cheap or if it's wise. I don't know. I don't shower at home. Um, I've got a gym membership. It forces me to go to the gym every day and at least work out 10 minutes. I prefer to work out for two hours, but some days just won't allow that. So the fact that I don't shower at home saves me on water for sure, right? But it also helps me stay healthier, which if you're healthier, you're more likely to, uh, to incur fewer costs in retirement. But also I don't have to wash towels. One of the biggest you know, sucks of energy is the dryer. And drying towels takes longer than drying the rest of your clothes. So I don't have towels in my laundry. Now, again, do I do I honestly not shower at home? I would say probably twice a week I shower at home. And that's it. Most. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I want you to keep Santa on a budget this year. Set a limit. If you gamble, say I'm going to take $200 or $2,000. Whatever it is that's your limit, that's your limit. Leave the debit card at home. 
um, some of the things that you could also do, for instance, with children, is buy them things that you're going to have to buy anyway, like a new backpack, or buy get them ice skating lessons for Christmas if you're going to be, you know, doing ice skating lessons during the regular part of the year. Try to neutralize your overzealous relatives. Um, one of the things you could always do is if you've got a grandmother who's given away, not given away, but if she's giving, you know, 15 toys, you can kind of pull aside, you know, seven or eight of them and give them later in the year kind of thing. Maybe give them out to kids' birthday parties. Kid doesn't need that much from you. So, um, people are embarrassed by how many presents they buy their kids. And that's something that I'm cognitively aware of. Just If you're having behavioral issues, like you don't really want to tell people that you're not saving money for retirement, if you really don't want to tell people how much you spent on Christmas, you've got a problem with finance and money. Um, maybe one of your big resolutions for the year is the check of carrying balance on your credit card. Carrying a $1,000 credit card balance at 18% blows $180 a year that you could have been investing elsewhere. Um, aggregate all your financial accounts onto one page. Use something like a mint.com and a mint, M-I-N-T.com. So when you're thinking of rent, how much of your income should be spent on rent. Um, 35% of after-tax income can be spent on housing, whether it's rent and or uh, purchasing a home. Anything over 35% and you're starting to like stretch yourself way too thin and it's going to hurt you. Um, because, again, you have to pay taxes and sale, uh, income taxes and sales taxes and Vehicle registration taxes and gasoline. Well, gasoline's got a little cheaper. And car, like, you don't have enough money. If you're spending more than a third of your money, 35% on housing, you're not going to be able to save you know, for retirement. Or you're going to put yourself in a bad financial position at some point, sooner rather than later. Um, Kiplinger's uh, has a wonderful website, kiplinger.com. I highly recommend people check it out. I would also go as far as to say... Uh, Maybe that's a good subscription to give someone for holidays. Uh, Wall Street Journal, WSJ.com. They're good. Uh, For me, I I see a lot of the economy reflected in their stories. And I see a lot of investments reflected in their stories. Um, Other big things to note today. Uh, The market's been reacting kind of negatively recently. And that's okay. We've had a very good year. Will we close higher or lower for the year? Higher. Uh, but it looks like it's going to be somewhere between a 6 and 12% year. And that's not bad. Better than real estate. Uh, better than sitting in a bank. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Crude oil under pressure again after OPEC cuts demand forecast. Dollar index tracking third consecutive loss. Euro and yen are climbing. Find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com.
views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.